Welcome to the Self Starter Show. I'm your host, Steve Clare, and on this show, you're gonna be hearing from entrepreneurs. You're gonna hear about their wins that got them where they are, their losses, and everything in between, as well as the advice that they have that helped them along the way. Along with bonus solo episodes of my personal secrets of life, success, and empathy sprinkled in for you, the listener. Like chapters of a great book, each episode will provide you with a bit of a cheat code to success and happiness. We're back for another episode. We're here in Sutton Place with Ashton Palmer. That's Ashton X Palmer on IG. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And Tom Stefanik. Stefanik, but Tom whatever Stefanik. you say is perfectly fine uh, with Tom me. Tom Stefanik on IG. Let's get it started. Tom, I don't know much about you, as we were saying before, mm-hmm. which excites me because I'm excited too. Every guest I've had here, I've somewhat known them for a little while. I've no bit of their background. Tom, I just met yesterday. I met him on the street yesterday. It was complete chance encounter. So we are walking into this cold. No lies. Uh, Such a New York story. Right? It is. We were actually in Union Square. My, one of my videographers, he's like, let's go, let's go do interviews. Let's go to Washington Square Park. I'm like, I'm 36. I can't be seen doing interviews in Washington Square Park. Uh, <laughs> That's not my demographic, and I also I just can't do that. So we went to Union Square, which I don't know if it was much better, but I think it was. I think Madison Square was probably like your target demographic. That's mm-hmm. what I said. I was like Madison Square, uh, somewhere anywhere in Brooklyn, and uh, I've been thinking about going up to the Closters, mm-hmm. which oh, I feel like yeah, right. You get some there. like sixty-five-year-olds you could interview there. I'm fine with that. I'd rather interview a sixty-five-year-old who did something in life than like these face- college kids. Yeah, college kids and like. You know, millennials with face tats. Yeah. Which is Washington Square Park. And apparently, from what I saw yesterday, Union Square also. <laughs> They've leaked over from Washington Square. <laughs> yeah, they're just spreading out everywhere. Yeah. That's uh, that, um, what was that? That Occupy Wall Street that those people are still hanging on. Yeah. Yeah, 14 yeah. years later. Yeah. Very much so. So you guys met on the street. Yeah, so we met in Union Square. Um, I know your videographer. Yep. Um, he used to sell me shoes, and, you know, now is into the content creation game a little bit himself. And when and he was selling you shoes, you, that was, is that when you first started in the content creation game? So, no, I started, so my background, I made YouTube videos full-time for nine years, eight years, something like that, a long time. Nine years ago, like now. So, like yeah, I started, started in 2013. So I guess I made YouTube videos full-time for eight years until I kind of stepped back into what I'm doing now. But uh, yeah, it was all about sneakers and basketball and basketball sneakers and then uh, built an audience from that. So I was actually able to start traveling a little bit and the content shifted more into me traveling places and showcasing the cities that I was going to. So when you started, a New York City guy. No, so I'm from Canada originally. You're from Canada. So I grew up in Winnipeg, Canada, which is like right above Minnesota. Okay. So I born and raised there. All my family is from there. Lived there until I was 22, 23. In and Canada, do you guys call Winnipeg the Midwest? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Midwest born and raised. Yeah. Terrible winters. Um, not much to do there. And then, uh, yeah, I got to travel a lot from YouTube because you don't really have much of a schedule or anywhere yeah. to be. And I just kept on coming back here. So before we go to where you started, tell me where you are right now. What do you do? Yeah, great question. So I founded a um, influencer marketing agency called Small Screen, um, where we're the intermediary and the, the back end support for content creators. So we help them with their brand deals, their contracts, 
invoicing, negotiating fees, appearances. Do um, you specialize in brand deals in any specific platform or just all the whole So we, we are across the board. We have creators on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitch. Um, recently we started working with a couple people that are just on Facebook. Um, so all in all, we represent about 150, 160 creators at this wow. point. Our creators that are on Facebook, are those boomers? No, you'd be surprised. <laughs> right? It's uh, expect that. It's yeah. like man on the street content. The two people that we work with on TikTok, like pretty much what you were doing yesterday, or on Facebook, pardon, pretty much what you're doing yesterday okay. of just interviewing people on the street. Interesting. Yeah. And which uh, which platform would you say has the most money? Not like which company has the most money, but which has the which, opportunity to make the most money. So like six nine months ago, it was unquestionably YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. Like everything else really? was far and behind YouTube. Um, now it's probably still YouTube. Like if I had to do a breakdown of where the money's being spent, probably 50% of ad dollars are going to YouTube, 15% are going to Instagram, and then 35% are going to TikTok. But nine months ago, it was maybe 10% of the dollars were going to TikTok. So it's mm. been a huge spike. In, and it's like big name advertisers. Like we just booked a campaign with Chevrolet and we did it with Marriott. And you know, you didn't see those brands advertising on TikTok six yeah. months ago. Is this because uh, YouTube maybe had more analytics that you could actually show where their ad, that you could, you could see the ROI on their dollars through YouTube based on analytics that maybe TikTok didn't have? Yeah, I, I think TikTok's definitely fleshed out their, uh, their backend analytics and stuff. Like you can understand what is happening on the platform a lot better now than you could a year ago. Right. Um, but I think with YouTube, lots of brands are looking for conversions, right? Like they want people to click the link and buy the product or book a hotel room or whatever. Mm -hmm. And TikTok brands are doing like awareness campaigns. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just as you know simple as having a brand's logo on your mic in an interview, right? You don't even need to mention the brand name. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very much just public awareness. and Product less, placement. Exactly. And yeah. not so much focused on conversions from that specific piece of content. That's nuts. So like I remember February 2020. Mm-hmm. I had started a podcast. I shot my first <laughs> Good timing. Mm -hmm. Shot February 2020, shot my first episode. And a few days later, I went to go show apartments mm -hmm. to uh, Nick DL, who is, he works at, he works under Gary V. Mm -hmm. And we go to lunch after seeing apartments, me and his girlfriend, Aaron, and we're sitting there. And I'm telling him about my podcast. He looks at me, he goes, you're not doing this podcast anymore. You need to cancel your podcast and get on TikTok. Like, that would have been great advice two and a half years I'm like, ago. Oh, yeah. Dude, um, at the time, I'm, I'm 34. TikTok is a trend. Or it was teenagers dancing at it, that TikTok point. At that point, yeah, that's all yeah. it was. It was teenagers dancing, and everything had such... Uh, it had... There was so much editing that went into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was so much production value. So the level of production value that went into one, at the time, what, 30-second video, a minute video? Was a I, lot. I, I, I thought that wouldn't last. I, mm -hmm. I figured after four or five videos, 95% of people would be like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But then the pandemic hit. Yeah. And the like count and the follow count and the algorithm from TikTok. Oh, it was insane. Made people get that much more attention. And it pulled people from Instagram to TikTok, mm -hmm. and it made TikTok blow up. Yeah. No, we have a client that, in the span of March 2020 to July 2020, went from zero followers, didn't even have a single TikTok up on their page, to July 2020, they had 1.6 million followers. Holy cow. In whatever that is, four months. That's crazy. Did they specialize in a specific topic or something? No. Or? So that's the thing. They Their entire page is predicated on they just 
go on Google and search up like top five most popular dog breeds in London or seven most vicious murders in New Zealand, like really weird Searches. top five, top 10 lists and just read them off. It's the most and just read them off with like ever. a green screen showing like yeah, pictures. Exactly. And then they are sitting in their desk, they have a mic like this set up and they just talk to the camera. So how would someone like that monetize their top five readings? Yeah, great question. So what we've done with them is kind of we'll have the brands approach them or we'll approach brands and let's say it's a you know, an airline just for example. Then we'll do, you know, a top ten list of 10 best destinations for beach travel. Mm. And then you can link in the sponsor that way, right? Because it pertains to what you're talking about in the top So are you going to do, let's say, the top 10 best places to travel and then do a kayak ad after? Or are you going to have the green screen showing searching on kayak? Yeah, so that really depends. Like the creators 90% of the time have a lot of creative freedom because that's why the brands want to work with them, right? Yep. They want them to channel their voice to their audience in a way that's going to engage. Um, generally, like my recommendation to brands would be the quicker your, your name comes up in the content, the better. So we would probably push for something like, you know, today we're going to be looking at the top 10 travel destinations in 2022 brought to you by Kayak. And then yeah. at the end of the content, probably have a more in-depth, like, hey, go so, on Kayak and get $50 off your flight with this mm -hmm. code. So it comes off as an ad. Like on Instagram, if you post an ad, you have to do a hashtag ad. Yes. Is it the same thing with TikTok where you have to know, you have to fill people in that you're being paid? Yeah, so that's the interesting thing. I don't know where this started that you need to do the hashtag ad. You just need to publicly disclose that it's a sponsored content. Yeah. So even if you just say sponsored by or brought to you by, you're good. You don't need to do the hashtag ad. I didn't know that like that was the law or something until uh, the whole fire Festival thing happened. <laughs> uh, and all the, who was it, like Kendall Jenner got, mm -hmm. got sued because she yeah. was posting about fire Festival as an ad mm -hmm. and didn't put but wasn't ad. putting that so shows. it made it look like Kendall Jenner was going to Fire Festival along with mm. you know, a slew of other yeah. people who did that. Yeah, and the thing is like, I mean, 99% of people are not on the scope of the FTC to actually get got for this stuff. Yeah. You know, if you're doing a $5,000, $10,000 sponsorship, <laughs> yeah. no one is ever going to find out whether it was sponsored or not. But mm -hmm. yeah, if you're Kylie Jenner, you should probably, uh, probably follow the law on that. Yeah. That's interesting. Amazing. So, so do you um, primarily focus on that now and not oh, yeah. create content yeah, at all? I am, or do you still I am like a retired, to... washed up YouTuber. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I did it for so long and like, I loved doing it. It was great. Like yeah. I dropped out of college two and a half weeks after I started college because mm -hmm. I hated it. Um, my dad was a lawyer, so that wasn't a pleasant conversation. Were you with YouTubing him. at that time? Yeah. So I started in 11th grade. Okay. Um, it was really just for fun and like, Back then, YouTube was, like, there's some people that had a full-time income off mm -hmm. of it, but, like, it wasn't a viable career path, right? Yeah. Like, I knew, well, maybe I can make a few hundred bucks a month if I get an audience off of it. Um, was that the goal from the start, or was it just to That was kind of the goal. You? That was, right, so your goal well, was to put out content. I, I wanted to do stuff that I get enjoyed. dollars? I, I think the primary reason was I thought it was cool. Right, but in 11th also, grade, you're doing, you don't need the money, so you're doing it to try and see, I think this is cool, I'm gonna put it out there, and if I think it's cool, other people probably will too. Exactly. And then, you know, I found out you can make money. I think after three and a half months of me making YouTube videos, I got like a $104 check from Google in the mail. And it was like the greatest day of my life. Yeah. And my mom's looking at me like, this took you three and a half months of like hours a day of work. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but I only got this many views. Yeah. So imagine if I could get this many views. If it keeps and I growing. think I was kind of hooked. Like, you know, uh, my, uh, my grades in 12th grade definitely suffered because I would spend all 
my free time making YouTube videos. Yeah. And my parents thought I was delusional, and rightfully so, because mm. I was making $100 a month at this point. Yeah. But I kept on telling them, if I don't treat this like a full-time job, it will never become a full-time job. Um, and I'm really glad I had that mindset when I was 17. Well, also yeah. that you had the parents that didn't say, fuck you, and we're taking your equipment away, do better in school, whereas there's some parents that might have done that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think my mom definitely vibed for me. She was a fashion designer. Yes. So she's uh, in a she's more a creative, creative. So she got she it. Yeah, she yeah, exactly. the creative side exactly. But yeah, so then graduated high school, went to, I was going to go into product marketing um, at business school and did two and a half weeks of that and <laughs> was, you know, ready to off myself if I had to do another yeah. four years of it. So I dropped out without telling my dad. Uh, you found out like a month and a half later, was not too pleased about it. And at that point, I don't know, maybe I was making 1500 bucks a month off of YouTube at that point. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was not like, oh, I'm going to go chase this lucrative career path. Mm-hmm. Um, right, but, but if you look at your trajectory and your percentage growth of income for the two years, you were at like 500x. Yeah, exactly. When you yeah. look at it like that, then yes, exactly. So yeah, I stuck with it and uh, you know, fast forward to 2015, 2016, then it was you know, legitimate full-time income. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I got a bunch of opportunities to travel around the world. So that was how many years into it? Though, did so it I started full 2013 income? and then I'd say it was probably legit full-time income by 2015. Okay. So it was a, it was a good two years. I feel like a lot of people get into the YouTube space now, um, and they expect that they're going to make oh, a lot of money up front. Absolutely. And it, it takes some time. It, it you takes have to build an audience. Time. I mean, yeah. I have a YouTube channel too, yeah. but, and I, I try to push out videos, but it's still I'm still how long does it take you to produce one video from press play on the camera location press play to final product thumbnail made boom yeah so I mean the videos that I've filmed have primarily been like day in the life kind of Mm -hmm. videos of being a real estate agent in New York stuff like that yeah so um, I'll film just like randomly throughout the day but when it comes to editing and putting the thumbnail and everything else together that takes about yeah, Five, that's six hours. That's the tough part, right? And that's the thing where it's like it's hard being an agent and having to also do all that yourself. So that's primarily what I do. So it's easy. I get in these stages where I'll burn out and then I'll take a break yep. for a little bit and then I'll get back on it and burn out a little bit and come back. But I just have accepted it. That's just like a roller coaster ride. But yeah. eventually it'll pan out. And that's why it's good to just keep filming and shoot a lot. Oh yeah. So that you have you know, stuff in a folder ready to rock. When yeah. You're burnt out. You could still be putting stuff out and maybe not as frequently. But you're still not going on a you know a week two week lull. Oh yeah, I think someone that does that really good. I'm sure you've seen his videos. Is Cash Jordan? Oh yeah, he does really good. His videos are so simple. Yeah, and I guarantee you they take him like an hour to film, and they get like seventy eighty thousand views on it. It looks like you've gone through his entire day with them. Yeah, but you know being behind the scenes and kind of understanding how they're filmed, it probably takes him an hour and a half, two hours to film. Max. Yeah, and I'm sure he's definitely cut it down to a specific way he edits, oh, yeah. though, where it's yeah. quick. But right, well, he's been doing it for as long. Yeah, again, it takes time. the recipe time. that works for cash. Yeah, it takes time to build and do what's best for you the way you work. So so how many subscribers are you up to now? I mean, I'm nothing. I, I, 600, uh, 1,200? I think I'm at seven, like 730-something. 730. Hey, you've done the hardest part. Getting from zero to like 500, 700, yeah. that is. I know. See, I'm waiting because I'm like, oh, I want to get to 1,000, and then I can start making some money. But it's, it's hard when you have that in mind that, oh, I can make money eventually from it because you want to just keep going until mm-hmm. you get there. But What would Kanye do? He would just 
just do it. Exactly. He wouldn't worry about <laughs> he wouldn't worry about getting to a thousand, right? Just Kanye would just do it. Yeah. He wouldn't worry about he wouldn't worry about getting burnt out because he knows that getting burnt he would film himself burnt out. Yeah, yeah. And that's a video right there. Mm-hmm. Ashen's burnt. Yeah. And you could even have like a, a thumbnail of you with a terrible sunburn. That's clickbait right there. Yeah. And it's just create about creating content and, and taking up as much real estate online as possible at mm-hmm. the end of the day, I feel like. Well, um, and it's like, if you've ever had a better example of the snowball effect, I don't know if there is one than social media, like the first five, 10, 15 subscribers, it's fucking impossible mm-hmm. to get those. Yeah. Because you have no, who's supposed to recommend the videos? No one's watching them, right? How's yeah. the algorithm supposed to know that people like the content if no one's watching it? Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to that point of, you know, you get a few hundred people watching and then it starts to really yeah. snowball. My financial advisor started making YouTube videos and he's been oh, really? at it for about two years. Do you manage it? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. we work with him. So he is, he's at the point where he's making a couple thousand dollars a month off of it now. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a nice little side money for yeah. him. But he's been doing it for two years and I think he gets like, discouraged he's like ah but you had this huge channel getting all these views and i have to remind him like dude you were farther ahead than i was after two years yeah like by all metrics money views subscribers Mm -hmm. he's doing better than i was yeah it's crazy and but what's cool about youtube is like even when you don't have a whole lot of subscribers like especially when you don't have a lot each new subscriber you get oh it's it's so exciting it's so exciting because you're like this person actually cares to watch my videos it's incredible you get an email saying like blah 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 has subscribed well uh i think i actually turned that off yeah but yeah i do every now and then but But i will i i get on youtube and i'll check every now and then and you'll, you'll get like notifications for it and like i would i prefer getting YouTube subscribers than I will like an Instagram follower. Right. Cause like, it's like, okay, these people are actually taking in my content and listening yeah. to what I have to say when Instagram is just like, so in and out. Yeah. Does YouTube have an algorithm or not now, uh, analytics where you can see how much your subscriber, like your average subscriber is watching. If you have a thousand subscribers, oh, yeah. you could see 10 minute video, the average watch time the is. The metrics are incredible mm-hmm. on it. Like you could see right where the dip off in retention is. So if you have a boring part of the video, it'll show you like, hey, you dropped your view retention by 25% here. You could see parts that people are rewatching. You can see, you know, which people are subscribers that are watching this versus which people are new viewers. You mm-hmm. can see what country they're in, what age they are. Like you can get a really robust yeah. understanding. Which a lot, of, a lot of the videos you can see, it's when people do place ads in their videos, that's when you'll see a lot of the yeah. drop off. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So Ashton's at about a, a 730 subscribers, not followers. Right. Subscribers. We'll put you at 731 after this. 731. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get him exciting. over a thousand? Like what, like what type of stuff other than personal outreach and sending his videos to people and asking them to, to subscribe, which I always think of entrepreneurs in the past who I've coveted and I always go to like Sarah Blakely mm-hmm. and I know I think if Sarah Blakely were to start a YouTube channel and she wanted a thousand followers she would go through her phone book and she would send a video to every single person in her contact list and say hey uh, I'll Venmo you a dollar if you subscribe to this right now once you subscribe I'll, I'll send you a dollar and she would send a dollar to everybody now I don't think you're going to do that, but <laughs> what, but I think of like this guerrilla marketing tactic that she would do, what is, are some things that someone can do to up their subscribers? Yeah. I mean, I guess one thing that's important to think about too, is what are you aiming for? Right? Cause I think engaged people watching 
If you can mm-hmm. get a thousand people to really care about what you're doing, yeah. that's better than having a hundred thousand subscribers, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you even have a thousand people that will buy something for from you or watch every single video you post. Like that's where the value is, yeah. right? Not from having vanity metrics. So mm-hmm. I almost think like, and unfortunately, you know, if you tell all your friends you're starting a YouTube channel, most of them will be like, oh, that's cute. Like yeah, if you yeah. tell, oh, I started listing apartments. They're like, oh, that's cool. Until you all of a sudden sell a $5 million condo, yeah. then they want to pay attention mm-hmm. to it, right? So your friends will care once relate. you've already made yeah. it. Um, and, uh, you know, as unfortunate as that is, but I think the most important thing to do, and this sounds cliched, it isn't, you know, some magic wand solution, is just to make content that you genuinely care enjoy about. Enjoy making. Yeah. And you will find people that also genuinely enjoy mm-hmm. watching it, right? And it's not going to happen overnight. I think, you know, you see some overnight success stories and that makes it, you know, seem discouraging of like, oh, this guy put up three videos and now he has 200,000 subscribers. Yeah. Here I am. Um, but you know, like cliched example, Mr. Beast had like no subscribers after mm-hmm. seven years yeah. of doing YouTube, right? Until off. he found his thing that clicked with both him and his audience. Yeah. Right? And that's what I've been, I really honestly have tried to focus on is I've chosen like a few things that I want my core audience to enjoy, which is something I really enjoy. It's either my audience likes New York, they like real estate and fitness. And it's like, those are like the like-minded people that mm-hmm. will most likely follow my channel. But that's, that's what's great, though, is you really get to build your own community on yeah. there, which is really cool. And it's, I feel like you can't really, I mean, you, you can build a really strong community on other platforms, but I feel like YouTube is the most transparent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you really get to know someone on YouTube. And I yeah. think you're uniquely positioned where, you know, we walk around the city here and it just feels you know kind of normal to us. Yeah. But, you know, the other 7.99 billion people on Earth that don't get to walk around here every day, mm-hmm. they're fascinated by it. Well, and that's how I, that, I used to be one of those people. Yeah. Like when I first, before I moved to New York, the first person I watched on YouTube is Eric Conover and his vlogs. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now we're friends, but back in the day, I started following him when he had less than 2,000 subscribers. <laughs> and so, but I, so I know what it's like being the viewer looking into the bubble of New York yeah. in a way. And it's really cool from the yeah. outside. And even like real estate, like we're in this beautiful condo right now. Yeah. But in Missouri, this is probably $250,000. So oh, just God. that, yeah. that shock factor of people that don't live here watching this tour of a building yeah. and being like, yeah, the wow. comments, the comments that some of my listings get on TikTok. Oh yeah. From people in middle America, like showing like, oh, this, you know, this, 3,600 square foot carriage houses, $10 million. And then oh, yeah. the middle American comments. <laughs> and then the comments at those people, like, you live 45 minutes from the nearest Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, of course. I feel like the comment sections on the apartments that, like, we'll post and stuff are the best. Because people are just, like, have so many different opinions about what it's worth and what it's not. Yeah. It's great. It's, um, it's so funny. Yeah, the amount of uh, that's a waste of money comments is... Yeah, probably, and probably I'm just like, it. honestly, keep commenting, boost my engagement, yeah, right? keep it keep Right it when I moved to the city, so I did the most crazy thing possible that you could do when moving <laughs> to New York, is I signed a lease sight unseen on an apartment. Oh, I mean, that was, when did you move? This 2019. Okay, I was going to say, that was like, well, that was like all, all, 2020. Pan, all, all <laughs> yeah. 2020. And um, before you say, my, when, when the pandemic first hit, I, in the first two weeks, rented an apartment through TikTok <laughs> and it was all sight unseen. It's yeah. crazy. So I, I made this apartment tour and I, I lucked out. It was a beautiful place. It was on West 81st, right by the Museum of Natural History, right by the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was this pretty big studio apartment and I was paying fifteen fifty a month. You got a FaceTime tour though, right? No, I just got the pictures. That's it. Oh, that's like, sketchy. Like three situation. pictures, like 
one picture, a bathroom, a kitchen. Or was like, it on it, Craigslist? It was, it was good pictures. It was on Street Easy. So, oh, that's a little better. Yeah. Um, but I lucked out. I got this beautiful place. So I made a YouTube tour of it. And I'm paying fifteen fifty for like, you know, beautiful location. Yeah. And these people are like, you could have a five bedroom house in ah. you know, Arkansas. I'm like, yeah, but I'd also be in Arkansas. In right? so, <laughs> <laughs> Not a block from Central Park. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's funny. I love that. Wait, so that's where you started. You moved to New York in 2019 you had to have had like a rock bottom moment somewhere where you were about to quit um kind of yeah like like when did you like when did you have your burnout where you're like fuck this i'm done i I gotta figure something else out Mm -hmm. it's really interesting my my rock bottom burnout was also probably the best point in in my career because it forced me to make a transition yeah where like youtube pays great you can make a lot of money off of youtube and it's fun and you have no real-time commitments you could do whatever you want um but i always had pretty high goals for myself Mm -hmm. and youtube's relatively scalable but it's still just you and you're relying just on your income and Mm -hmm. just on your manpower and personality and whatever to engage people and you're doing this all on your own i'm doing this all on my own um so i always knew i wanted to do something more right like I wasn't going to create generational wealth making vlogs unfortunately I just wasn't that talented um, so after doing it for eight years honestly I just got tired and burnt out of need to go film another video yeah need to go film another video and you do that like I have 1500 videos probably that I've uploaded on my channel wow. and it just got so repetitive and I think it started to come through in my videos and so my audience wasn't enjoying it anymore and you know, I wanted to make content that they enjoyed, but I didn't enjoy making the content. And it was, I, it was probably six months of me being ridiculously stressed out about it. And I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And where were you living at the time? I was here already. So this was, right. uh, this was probably, it was probably during the pandemic because everything was shut. And all of a sudden, you know, my running around the city with my friends, New York vlogs weren't happening anymore. Yeah. Um, so that made it even worse because I didn't know what to make content about. And, uh, yeah, and I kind of made this decision of, okay, it's now or never, I need to make this transition to what I know I want to do eventually, which is, you know, start a business that's more scalable mm-hmm. and, you know, something that I can be a little bit more zoomed out on because YouTube, you're so focused on what is today's video, what is today's video, yeah. where now I can think, okay, what are we going to do in Q4 of this year instead mm-hmm. of what are we going to do Fucking today? Fucking love that, yeah. Um, so that was kind of the, the pivotal moment where it's like, I am not enjoying this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then decided to start small screen. And I was still making YouTube videos at the time. Um, and I mean, starting a new business is you know, less than easy. You need to convince people, hey, I know we, we have zero track record. My only clients are my uh, friends. Right, but you but, did have somewhat of a track record yes. from what you did on your own. Absolutely, absolutely. That helped bake in some legitimacy into our pitch is, hey, I did this myself for the last eight years, and I was helping some of my friends, which were Right, but that, know, that's real. Like, look, like Steve Nash coaches the Brooklyn Nets. It's not like he didn't have a coaching job before that, but he was a, you know, yeah. two, a two-time MVP. No, that's, that's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Two-time MVP, a Canadian and uh he had the he had the experience yeah Yeah. so it was slow at the beginning like you know first nine months we didn't really get any momentum or traction i think that's you know typical with most new businesses Mm -hmm. um so it took you know almost a year to really see the progress of signing clients and building relationships with brands and you know getting some real revenue coming in the door but Mm -hmm. you know fast forward now I guess a touch over two years and you know we have a team of 13 awesome people that are working at small screen and we have 150 clients and uh yeah 150 happy clients hopefully knock on wood and uh it's it's going really well is it a revolving door 
in a sense? Do you have like 150 clients and it goes down to 120, up to 160? No, so we have, I'm really proud of our retention rate. Like we really try and be more than just someone that emails them every couple of weeks with a brand deal. Like we are there for the questions there. I mean, I know firsthand. How sometimes. do you manage 150 clients? So we have uh, six talent managers that all deal with around 20, 25 creators a piece. And we try and separate those into content niches. So one guy just does men's fashion and streetwear. Another Love person that. just does travel. Another person is just doing women's lifestyle. Um, so they can really understand the content niche, understand the brands that are advertising in that space. Yeah. And then really get, you know, you have enough time to know 20 people. You can't know 150 people. Truth be told, I've never seen the content of some of our clients just because I don't have the time to do it. But right, but you're the, you're the, would you call yourself the CEO or the founder? It sounds a little pretentious to say CEO, but I hate when founder. people say CEO when it's it's a thirteen-person yeah. company. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I see that all the time. Like I see, you know, people having their TikTok or their IG mm. bio like CEO. It's like yeah, CEO of their one person. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're an independent contractor who is a real estate broker with six people who work under you. You're not the CEO of your team. Yeah. You're the I team. like founder though. Yeah. yeah. Founder's great. Founder and owner. And I like founder and owner. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes when you think of CEO, it's like, oh, they, they like the power. They just want to tell people what to do. Where it's like the founder, like, yeah, you founded it, but you still help out and you get dirty sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everyone that I've hired knows way more than I do. So I've kind of like cut myself out of the job. Like mm -hmm. I have nothing left to do. Um, I just kind of sit around. I'm like, well, I could do that, but someone that I hired could do a better job of that. <laughs> so I don't really know what to do anymore, uh, which I guess is a good problem to have. It's a great problem. Yeah, because isn't that the goal to hire people that can do the job better than you anyways? Yeah, that, yeah. That's the goal. It doesn't always work out perfectly. Yeah. We're doing good so far. That's what's up. So three words of advice for someone trying to grow their YouTube channel. Three for Ashton. Advice. <laughs> for Ashton. Okay, Ashton. And for me. For me. Because um, this, is, this is going on YouTube. Consistently, consistency has got to be number one. Mm -hmm. Define consistency. So it doesn't have to be, you don't need to upload every day or you don't need to upload a lot of videos. But if you're going to decide, hey, every second Friday there's going to be a video, then there needs to be a video every second yeah. Friday. Like people get into routines the same way they know that their favorite TV show is on Thursday night. Like they want to watch your videos. And if all of a sudden the second Friday there is no video, then they're going to kind of forget about you and move on to the next one. So yeah. consistency is key. I'd say on top of that, lots of people try and game the algorithm. They're like, what can I do that will you know, put me in the algorithm or mm -hmm. search recommendations? And you can do that and it might help you a little bit, but at the end of the day, if people click on your content and it's not good, yeah. they're not gonna come back. Yeah. So you know, I'd say also if you make amazing content and it's not algorithm friendly, people are still going to find it and stick with it, right? Mm -hmm. So more than trying to game the algorithm or how can I strategically title it, which is sort of important. Strategically title, does that go title plus thumbnail? Yeah, title plus thumbnail and tags and description and all that. Just make sure the content is good first and foremost. Like mm -hmm. I think Casey Neistat's a great example. He has the most terrible thumbnails and titles ever. Yeah. But his content was so good that mm -hmm. it didn't matter. You just click on it every single day regardless of what the title was, right? Yeah. Casey, Casey Neistat. Neistat. You know the, the, the guy on the boosted board with the sunglasses? Uh, you would, if you saw if him. If I saw him, I'd probably be like, You oh, would definitely recognize him. He was like the OG New York vlogger. Got yeah. it. So I do actually have one other question. Do you feel like when it comes to YouTube videos, though, that it should be like under 10 minutes or is like going over 10? It depends. Like we have, we have clients that make five minute I'm videos like, and they do amazing. We have clients that do, you know, half an hour videos and they do amazing. Like we have yeah. this one girl. It's fascinating. She does tarot card readings. 
every single video gets like a quarter of a million views. They're an hour long, and their watch retention is like 45 minutes plus. <laughs> so people are sitting there watching this tarot card reading yeah. for 45 minutes. That's so interesting. So it really depends it, on what you're It just depends is. on what you're making. Yeah. But it, does someone like that grow their following by having, let's say, a celebrity? Like, she did a tarot card reading with Matthew McConaughey or something of that sort. So people were watching that. And now she is doing tarot card readings for people with clout? Or did she get her own clout? No, she, uh, she built it up herself. And, like, that can definitely be a catalyst for growth. Like, you can have one video of, you know you guys could have a $130 million penthouse tour next week. And that would bring in viewers, right? Mm -hmm. But then if they watch next week's video and it sucks, yeah, then it didn't really do you any good, right? It got you views on one video. Yeah. So I think having those big flashy, whether it's celebrities or one crazy video, it brings in an audience, but then you What's still need to back there? it up with the content the yeah. next video too. Yeah. So trying to consistently having the same content that's valuable to your subscribers because do you think that one video could have someone not come back at all? I mean, maybe if it's the second video they've watched. Well, not for nothing. When you post a new video and you publish a new video, mm -hmm. they get an email, they get a push notification that a new video was posted. Mm -hmm. So unless they unsubscribe, they're going to keep knowing when you're putting up new videos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, people will be aware of it, but I think, you know, as much as you can build a personal, personal connection on YouTube, it's still, like, people that don't know you right yeah so all it takes is a couple times of them not being entertained by your video and they'll find someone else mm -hmm. and you know by no fault of their own like they want to be entertained on YouTube and yeah maybe their taste changed maybe mm -hmm. you're still doing a good job but you know they've matured or you know moved on to a different hobby or whatever the case may be yeah um, so it's it's fickle like you feel like you have this dedicated audience but then you know you have a down month or maybe you know you're in a bad mood or you know you got some other stuff going on in your life so your content suffers and all of a sudden your loyal audience is you know slightly less loyal than they were before yeah so what do you think so like we were talking with Ash and like getting burnt out do you think then putting out content letting your audience know that you're burnt out and like hey I'm burnt out even if it's a quick clip mm -hmm. that can be engageable if, if it's once, right, maybe I just made that it's word fine. Up. But if it becomes... It becomes a slippery slope of channels where it is apology video after sorry yeah. I've been gone oh, video you never want after to see that. I'm back video. Just keep that yeah. to yourself. Yes, exactly. If like, anything, like I feel like it's okay for your audience to miss you every now and then yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Because then when you do upload that video, especially if they, they were a good audience... Then they're like, oh shit, Ashton just uploaded a video. It's as been long a as it's while. a dope video. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Not like, hey, I've taken a you know two, three, four week lull, and now I'm putting out the now I'm putting out this half-ass video. Oh yeah. It needs yeah, to be fired. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're gonna take a break and then you come back, it needs to be they need to be excited that you're back. They can't mm -hmm. be, eh, this is okay. Yeah. That's when you lose them. Yeah. All right. So content-wise, what's hot right now? Man on the street stuff. Um, we probably our most lucrative. Sponsorships are coming in for our TikTok clients that are interviewing people in Washington Square Park. So maybe a piece of advice to you to go to go, go to back Washington to Washington Square Park. Wait, is it go to Washington Square Park or just go to a park? Well, we're in New York City. I understand you Washington. The, you get the characters of Washington oh, Square Park. Yeah, you do. They're all like blowing down and then ready to answer questions at any time. Yeah, yeah. You you get like respectable tax-paying citizens in Madison Square Park. Yeah. I don't know if you get that at Washington Square Park. Right, but I feel like for my audience, I want... Well, who is your audience? That's the question. That's a good question. I guess it's more so who would I want... I guess my audience is going to define itself. Mm -hmm. Is that I think is that safe to say? So it depends what you want. Like if you want 
social media to generate business and revenue in and of itself, then you know make the content that appeals to the broadest scope of right, people. So but if you're trying to generate leads and sales through you, then you probably you know the 21 year old isn't going to be of much use to you because right. they're not going to be buying or leasing anything from you. Unless I'm talking to them about their opinion on $5 million and $10 million apartments and their opinion on high rent. Just real estate related questions mm -hmm. with high net worth type of questions and answers. But essentially, you know, I'm, I'm not putting out content to get buyers. I'm putting out content because I enjoy putting out content. Mm -hmm. yeah. I enjoy interviewing people on the street. I enjoy sitting down, podcasting, doing apartment tours and doing stuff that I think is dope. Yeah. This show doesn't have a name. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't need a name. Maybe a name will come, but it's just the show that has no name yet. Mm -hmm. I do it because I want to do it. Um, that being said, I want to be looked at from people. I want to be looked, I don't want to be looked down upon from buyers with a high ticket price listing, whether it's- And be for, like, oh, I can't trust this guy. I can't yeah. trust this guy. So that's why going to Washington Square Park, it's, oh, that's the guy who was you know, interviewing the kids. That's the guy who was interviewing the girl who was putting perfume on her face during the entire interview <laughs> in Washington Square Park. The guy with the face tattoos. Mm -hmm. That's not the guy that I want connected Marketing to my listing. Marketing my, yeah. So that's why- yeah. That's the, that's the tricky line to toe, I guess, right? So that's why if I can try and pull the same type of responses, it wouldn't be the same type of responses, but similar questions and maybe ask them in a more eloquent way mm -hmm. because I'm at Washington Square Park or uh, Brooklyn Heights over by mm -hmm. the piers. If I get enough respectful people to give me fun answers, it could snowball. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, so they, they, you automatic. You both said yeah automatically. Not like, yeah. eh, probably not. No, I mean like, I think at the end of the day, there's something really addicting about just watching people answer questions because mm -hmm. like it's ten seconds, then it's a new person pop up, right? So it's very. People have such short attention spans these days, and yes. I think that's why this format is doing so well the past oh, year. Oh, hundred percent. Is it's just every ten seconds there's a new person. Ashton. What other questions you got? I, don't know, I could sit here for another couple of hours asking questions. So, <laughs> all right. So usually we end the show with seeing what books everyone's reading. Tom, what are you reading, and what book would you recommend for anybody to read? Uh, great question. Uh, what am I reading right now? Um, I was reading San Francisco by Michael Schellenberger, um, which is about how. Uh, West Coast progressive governments haven't done a good job of handling homelessness and drug addiction and stuff. Um, so that was a bit of a departure from my regular stuff, but it was a good book. <laughs> um, usually, you know, I think, you know, if you're a young person trying to get into business or do something for yourself or be successful, uh, some really good books that I've read on that would be Drive by Daniel H. Pink, and that sort of goes into the psychology and motivation. And then there's a really good one I read a few months ago called Range by David Epstein, um, which kind of looks at how generalists and people that are proficient in multiple things versus an expert in one thing tend to succeed more in the modern economy and kind of going into the reasons behind that. So those would be two good books that I recommend. Um, you have any book that you look at as like your Bible? <sighs> Honestly, no. I think, you know, I, I read a lot. Like I read probably a couple books a week. So I think it's just picking and choosing little bits. From, you know, if I can learn one interesting thing from a book, I'm happy with that book. Mm -hmm. So it's just taking little bits that really resonate with you from each book. Yeah. Ashton, a book recommendation? 
Um, book recommendation. Well, I'm not reading anything right now. I've just primarily been reading a lot of news articles in regards to real estate with everything that's crazy that's going on. Oh, that's terrible. But um, one book that I would recommend would definitely be uh, a book by David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. I've read that book, I think, three times. And I usually do it at the beginning Paperback of each year. Paperback or Audible? Mm-hmm. Paperback. And then, so the third time that I read it, though, I, list, I read it while listening to the Audible because it just... I've, my first book that I've I read like that, that it's so actually, awesome. it changed the way I like read now because it, it just makes it so much easier and you can just listen to it as you go. Just make sure you put it on like two times the speed. Okay. I usually read faster than I'll like they read it online. Um, but the book's amazing. It's just like the perseverance and like the consistency like we were talking about um, that he talks about in that book and everything that he went through. It really kind of helps you just get a different perspective on life. Um, and just helps you realize like we generally only push ourselves to like 30 to 40% of our capability. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's so much farther we can push and he really digs into that in the book. Um, so I highly recommend it. It's It's all up here. It's all up there. And that's what the whole book really is about. Um, it's about winning the mind games and that play on and on in your head when you feel like you can't go anymore. So it's a very, very good book. And I read it at the beginning of each year because I feel like it sets the tone for like the year and be like, all right, let's, let's, it's time to get the, into things. So you're the second person this week. Today's Wednesday. You're the second person this week that has recommended that book. Oh, that doesn't, I, I don't, now, I don't doubt it, that. Yeah. I'm going to put it at the top of my list. You have to, it's a, uh, like that's a, I'm usually, I'm when someone asks me like, what should I read? What should I watch? So on and so forth. I'm usually, it takes me like a few minutes to like think about it, but that's the first thing that immediately pops in my mind when someone asks me that question. So I highly do. recommend. I appreciate you. Of course. Ashton, Ashton X Palmer on IG. My dude, Tom, tell him where to find you. Tom Stefanik on Instagram, or if you want to check us out at smallscreenmarketing.com as well. Smallscreenmarketing.com. Check them out. I'm TMB, and uh, we're here at 418 East 59th Street, 9B, going on the market this week, or, well, went on the market this week. Later.